Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of our Nuggets coverage over at Mile High Sports. All you got to do, type in uh, Mile High Sports into your browser. Click that Nuggets icon in the top right corner to be directed to everything Nuggets that Mile High Sports produces. Right now, we have Duvalier Johnson's Wancho Hernan Gomez season recap up there. Um, I believe Brandon Ewing has a new piece up. And then there's all kinds of stuff from the whole staff on that part of the site. Um, we're going to kind of just catch up with this podcast today. There's a lot that's happened around the league in the past few days. So we're kind of going to go step by step. Um, I'm going to quickly run through the Nuggets Summer League schedule um, that dropped not too long ago. The NBA award show was last night on Monday, so I'm going to outline the award show and how the Nuggets kind of were involved in that. I'm going to give a very brief Bowl Bowl update. I wouldn't say it's an update. This is more of just when he arrived in Denver, who he's been hanging out with, what he's done so far. Just very, very basics of Bowl Bowls, I guess. Um, I guess it's just his meeting with Denver and kind of getting an idea of what this facility is like and his first impression of what is going on around him. Um, I'll talk about just quickly about the players who have gotten their way back to Denver and have started working out, whether it's summer league guys or guys who are going to just be looking to have a good season next year. And then to finish out the podcast, I'm going to do the Tory Tory Craig season and review um, podcast as well, kind of just recapping his season. Brandon Ewing was the one who actually wrote his season and review article on Mile High Sports, which is up there, and you should definitely go give that a read because we cover some similar stuff we talked about in, um, that he wrote about in his article in the podcast, as well as some other kind of takeaways that I had myself. So we'll finish the podcast with that. Um, before we go any further, though, got to pay some bills and give some love because the Regulators Production Group are the reason that there are so many good sounds on this podcast. The audio production of this podcast comes from the Regulators Production Group. Those are their beats at the start and end of this podcast so definitely go follow regulators regime on instagram and also terrapin care station they are the presenting sponsor of the denver nuggets daily podcast they are the benefactor they are the reason that we are able to keep the podcast going and they are great at what they do for all the cannabis goods in the area so again this denver nuggets daily podcast that's powered by mile high sports would not be around if it wasn't for terrapin care station so before we go any further here's a quick word from them before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the product that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. into what is going on around the league as it pertains to the Nuggets, and the first thing on the schedule is the Nuggets Summer League schedule is dropped. Well, the entire Summer League schedule is dropped, but now we know the Nuggets part of it. Um, so, let's just kind of read it off first. On July 5th, the Nuggets will be playing at Thomas and Mack Center against the Suns. <laughs> 
this will be what is the marquee game essentially for that night. It tips off at 9.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. It's the later game. It'll be at 8.30 in Vegas. So we will be having that game going off, and it'll be a fun one. I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of talent going around the league at that point. It'll be interesting to see how Cam Johnson is for the Suns. It'll be very interesting to see Michael Porter Jr., Vlako Chanchar, Thomas Welsh, Jared Vanderbilt, Brandon Goodwin. There are so many players on this Nuggets Summer League squad that are going to be extremely fun to where I, it's just going to be a very interesting game game and a very interesting start and kickoff to Summer League. Um, and after that, the Nuggets will have a rest day. They will play at Cox Pavilion, which is the smaller arena, against the Magic at 4 p.m. Denver time on the 7th of July. They will play in Cox again on the 9th of July at 6 p.m. Denver time before finishing out their quote-unquote regular season, their non-tournament play in Summer League on the 10th of July at Thomas & Mack Center against the Golden State Warriors. Um, I will be in attendance for, I believe, three of the games. We'll see if I can push my flight back to be able to watch that third game or not um, but the idea is that I will be in attendance for those three games for sure at least the first two so it'll be a very fun summer league cannot wait to see this Nuggets team and having them play this often getting four games in five days will be a heck of a lot of fun to watch um, that's really all I want to say about that there's not a whole lot that goes into summer league until we get there it's just really going to be more about analyzing individual players and how it works for the Nuggets. What I will say is everybody in the Nuggets organization that I have talked to is extremely excited about the Summer League roster as a whole. I have had someone say that this could potentially be the best Summer League team ever, and it was more jokingly, of course. The Nuggets' goal isn't to make the greatest Summer League roster ever, but the collection of talent that they've been able to acquire for this Summer League team is at a very high level, and then when you add in their own draft picks of Michael Porter Jr., Jared Vanderbilt, Flacco Chanchar, who has been very good in the second best league in the world in the in the ACB League, players like that, it's going to be extremely fun to watch that team play, so we'll just have to wait and see how that Nuggets Summer League team is, but it seems like it's going to be very, very fun, and I cannot wait to get a look at Michael Porter Jr. and especially Jared Vanderbilt, amongst also Vlako Chanchar, who I have heard has a chance to make the Denver Nuggets roster, uh, the full-time roster, once we get closer to the regular season. Um, there's some buyout stuff, whatnot. Again, this is not confirmed. This is not set in stone. It's just something that is out there in the airway. Waves. There is a possibility that Flacco could get one of those roster spots. So, Summer League is going to be fun, but that's the schedule, and that's really all there is to say about that for now. Next, the thing I want to get into is the NBA award show that happened on Monday night, June 24th. Um, obviously, the Nuggets were well represented. There were quite a few players that could have potentially been up for some of these awards. Who knew how close they were going to get, but there were quite a bit of... Uh, there was quite a bit of activity on the Nuggets side when it came to these awards. So let's just kind of go down the list in terms of how the awards came out and what order they came out and how people placed and where. So I'm just going to start from the get, which was Malik Beasley coming 12th in most improved player voting, got three third place votes. Um, I wouldn't say that this was deserved. I thought that he should have gotten a little bit more of votes, but this was always going to be a Pascal Siakam, D'Angelo Russell two-man uh, race. There was always going to be that. What I would say is that it's good to see Malik Beasley getting a little bit of love for what he was able to contribute to the Nuggets. He got three third-place votes for this award. There were people who took notice of what he was able to do this season, which was cool to see because Malik Beasley had a hell of a season. Um, 
moving on from that, Monte Morris was ninth in the six man of the year voting. Just like Malik Beasley, he got three third place votes in this award for the six man of the year. Um, and again, Monte Morris was a two way player that played 20 something minutes last night to see him get the national recognition to get some votes in this conversation is good. He probably again deserved a little bit more, but this is the Lou Williams Jamal Crawford award. And there was no way that any other, anybody other than Lou Williams was going to win that award, but still it's good to see Monte Morris get some love for that. Uh, Malik Beasley also got a third place vote for six man of the year award. So in addition to getting his three third place votes, he also got a fourth third place vote in a different category for six man of the year. Uh, moving on to executive of the year. Tim Connolly was second in executive of the year, just barely behind John Horst, who was uh, three points ahead of him for first place. He literally had one less first place vote than John Horst, and that led to him getting second place, not third. So Tim Connolly had nine first place votes, eight second place votes, and zero third place votes. It was really just a two-man race for executive of the year. John Horst had 72 points. Tim Connolly finished with 69, and then Lawrence Frank came in third, only had 26 points. This was a two-man race in terms of the executive of the year, and it just didn't fall, in, um, unfortunately, in Tim Connolly's favor. Um, executive of the year is a very difficult thing to quantify because are we talking about one-year moves? Or are we talking about a culmination of what these guys have built? Because executives don't do one-year plans. Executives are putting plans five, six, seven years long into effect, and that's what Tim Connolly was getting awarded for. Of course, he didn't get awarded, you know, second place in executive of the year for dumping contracts to get below the luxury tax. What he got awarded for was the fact that he got Paul Millsap in free agency, that Jamal Murray grew so much as a guy that fell on the draft that he acquired, that Nikola Jokic became a legitimate MVP candidate, that he was able to get enough players like Gary Harris and players who bought in defensively and a coach that bought in defensively to bring this Nuggets team from the bottom of the barrel defensively to a top 10 defensive team. It was the culmination of what he was able to do with this Denver Nuggets team that led to him becoming second in executive of the year. So the people who are killing Tim Connolly completely wrong, by the way, on Twitter, that's why he deserves this award. And it's why so many of these people were able to get votes, despite the fact that they had had multi-year situations going on. So, I do think Tim Connolly probably deserved to be second place. Maybe, I do think I would have put him third. Um, there wasn't a whole lot that, or sorry, first. There wasn't a whole lot that John Horst did, in my opinion, that compares to what Tim Connolly was able to do over the past four years. Um, but again, that's just a perception thing. This is, you, you ask ten people, five are going to say Connolly, five are probably going to say Horst. So, really, it sucks that Connolly didn't get it. You can call it a snub if you want, but him being that close in the conversation in that way says everything you need to know about how Tim Connolly is respected around the league. He has been undeniably coveted around the league as an executive and him getting second place by just three points away from first place is evidence of how everyone is viewing how good of a job that he does as the Nuggets president of basketball operations. Um, Michael Malone got third in coach of the year voting. This was really the only one that I had an issue with. Um, In my opinion, Michael Malone should have won Coach of the Year, and it should have been just that way, full stop. I'm not, I mean, it's very easy to call me biased for this take, but this is my thought process. Mike Budenholzer inherited a roster that was already very good. He just wasn't Jason Kidd, who was as 
I guess, built that scheme around his team as unintelligently as I could possibly imagine. So for Mike Budenholzer just to go in there and be like, all right, we're going to play four shooters around Giannis and just let him eviscerate everybody down low or kick to shooters and we'll win from the outside, that's not revolutionary. I don't feel like Mike Budenholzer brought so much more out of his team than was already there. Um, With Doc Rivers, I mean, it was very fun to watch the upstart Clippers team after they traded Tobias Harris and all these things, how good Shea Gildas Alexander was, how much he got out of Montrez Harrell. There was a lot of things he did well, but Michael Malone coached the second youngest roster in the NBA from when the season started. They had, I believe, the third most games lost to injury as a team. He had so many ins and outs of the lineup that he was constantly changing his rotation. He had the eighth youngest playoff team ever and the youngest second seed ever, and somehow they were only one game away from the Western Conference Finals. And I know it's a regular season award, but the Nuggets were right behind the Warriors and were actually ahead of the Warriors for the first season in the regular in the Western Conference longer than they were not. So it's very strange for me that Michael Malone came in third. He got six first place votes, 34 second place votes, and 22 third place votes. Um, I do think that there was a little bit of a... um, there was a misconception that this was more of a player's thing within Denver, and Michael Malone did not get as much credit as he deserved. But still, you see people like Jamal Murray coming out on Instagram and giving love to Michael Malone, saying, we'll keep doing it in the shadows as we've been doing it. These awards are not why Michael Malone is coaching. Michael Malone wants a championship. Michael Malone wants his guys to be the best players they can be. That's all he cares about. So while it does suck that he was, in my opinion, snubbed, it's just going to move along. Malone is not going to carry this on his... Sh- you know, this isn't going to create a chip on his shoulder. Malone is going to go about his business every single day just like he does. But what I will say is that Michael Malone is deservedly now amongst the NBA's elite head coaches. He has to continue to stay up there. We'll have to see how he ends up carrying this torch next season. But it's good to see him in that category. Um, Nikola Jokic, fourth in MVP voting. Uh, people might be a little upset about this. I really wasn't that upset. I, Paul George had just an absolutely incredible regular season. It's easy to forget how good he was prior to his shoulder injury just because the thunder fell off so hard once he had his shoulder injury, but Paul George was fantastic still. Nikola Jokic did not get a first or second place vote. Either did Paul George, so I don't think that's a big deal at all. This was always a two-man race between Giannis Antetokounmpo and James Harden, so I'm not worried about that. Nikola Jokic got 16 third place votes, 39 fourth place votes, 15 fifth place votes. Not upset again at all. This was awesome to see Nikola Jokic on this level. He is now being looked at in that elite category of players. I don't think it's crazy that when we go into next season that Nikola Jokic could potentially be in the top five players in the NBA when when all those ESPN rankings start coming out. I do think he's closer to top seven. I wouldn't say top five, but he's in the top ten assuredly. There is no debating that any longer, and him getting fourth in MVP voting is right up there as evidence for that. It also sets the table for Nikola Jokic to have an even bigger season next season, potentially carry the Nuggets even farther along, and that would probably lead to him having a very good shot at MVP if he has an even better season the next year. If he plays the way he did in the playoffs throughout the regular season, who knows? Maybe Nikola Jokic does put himself in that category, but great to see Nikola Jokic get fourth in MVP voting. They could have had him third. I wouldn't be upset. I do think that it's good they had him fourth, not fifth, though. He was better than Damian Lillard, so... That's just where I fall on that, but again, 
I think that it's fine where he was. You're talking marginal differences, and he wasn't going to win anyway. So overall, I mean, this award show shows the Nuggets are back on the map. People are taking notice of what they're doing. There is, um, you know, not everybody is privy to how good this Denver Nuggets team is, but it's getting closer and closer and closer. Like, Jokic is going to be a legit MVP candidate next year, potentially. Monte Morris and Malik Beasley getting national attention for these awards is a big deal. The fact that national and, you know, media members are able to see how important the bench has been for Nuggets is a big deal. It shows that there's attention on them. You know, Tim Connolly is undoubtedly one of the greatest executives in basketball right now, and Michael Malone deserves to be amongst the NBA's elite head coaches. So to kind of just lock all that in and concrete those factual statements is a very good thing to see, and it shows the Nuggets are finally getting their due. Real quick before I get into the Tory Craig portion of the player recap that this podcast was originally going to be before all these other things happened. Um, I wanted to talk about the fact that Bull Bull arrived in Denver on Sunday, June 23rd, and he has been in Denver and been with the Nuggets organization. Already, Bull Bull is at the facility as of Tuesday morning with Monte Morris and his trader Keon, and they were getting some work in. They were, you know, he was doing some band work. He was in the, uh, he was in there with the trainers, just getting some. It looked like rehabilitation work in, but I'm, not, I'm no trainer or doctor. He got some shots up, had some pictures taken of him on the Nuggets practice court and some Nuggets gear. So it's cool to see Mon- or, uh, Bull Bull involved around the Nuggets right now, so early after just getting into Denver. You know, basically 36 hours earlier um also i wanted to talk about how monte morris being one hell of a leader is a really cool thing monte morris told the media earlier this year that he likes to get to know players off the court so he can be a better point guard for them as well as a better leader for the team as well as just have a closer relationship with that individual and the fact that monte morris was already in the gym with his trainer and bull bull hanging out with him showing him the team store wandering around hanging out with him in the training room that's awesome to see and it shows how important monte morris is to this team not everybody gives second year or you know technically second year player or technically third year player more like second year players a lot of leadership responsibilities but Monte Morris has done a very very good job of that so to see Bobo in Denver to see him around the team to see him actually moving and getting shots up these are all good signs they don't mean he'll play in summer league as far as I have been told they don't know if he'll play in summer league yet it's not off the table but it seems unlikely but still it's just the fact that he's moving around and, and involved seems like a very, very good thing. And in addition to that, I kind of just wanted to tell, you know, the, the listeners, the players who have already been in Denver, whether it was before or right now working out with the Nuggets or their young guys, whether it's for summer league or individual workout. And of course, leading that list is Monte Morris, who's always around. Will Barton has been back, uh, you know, here and there. Gary Harris is back right now. Bull Bull is in the gym with them. Vlako Chanchar is in Denver before summer league getting working with the guys. Thomas Welsh, Michael Porter Jr., Brandon Goodwin, Jared Vanderbilt. There's a laundry list of players who have been in Denver working out with the Nuggets getting ready for Summer League or just the season coming to be. So it's very good to see this many, these many or this many names already back in Denver and just, you know, before July has even arrived. So awesome to see. I like the fact that the Nuggets are already getting that work in and hopefully they'll be better for it coming next season. Um, 
so now before now this is kind of the conclusion slash the start of the Tory Craig the Tory Craig player recap portion of this podcast. Um, I spoke to Brandon Ewing after the draft about his player recap that he wrote for Tory Craig just to kind of get his input because he was the one who wrote the story. So I definitely wanted to include him. But before we jump into what he said, let me just kind of just paint the picture of what Tory Craig was able to accomplish this year. So let's just look at his. At his statistical outlook to start. In the regular season, he averaged 5.7 points, 3.5 rebounds, and one assist a game, as well as a half steal, a half block, and a half turnover. Um, He played 20 minutes per game, played 75 total games, was one of the more um, I would say consistent players as guys that were always ready to go. Um, he started 37 of those games and shot okay. I mean, I wouldn't call it good. It wasn't anywhere near good, but you know, 44.2% from the field, not good. 32.4% from three, which is which is solid, and 70% of the field. Um, his shots were random and inconsistent, so I'm not trying to kill him for his field goal percentage numbers. But what was very good to see was as the postseason got closer and closer, and then eventually arrived, Torrey Craig's game went to a different level. In the playoffs, Torrey Craig played in all 14 games. He started 11 of them, averaged 23.6 minutes per game, and put up 6.6 points, 5.1 rebounds, just under one assist to go with a half steal and a half block per game while shooting 47.8% from the field and an incredible 47.2% from three to go with just a meager 56.3% from the free throw line on very small amounts. But Tory Craig upped his play as the season went on. Uh, Brandon Ewing in this article had a very, very good stat that was from the point that the All-Star break ended all the way through the postseason, Tory Craig led the Nuggets in three-point percentage. He was very, very efficient from that point on the court, and if he can continue to grow in that way, he could be very, very good. So, in my opinion, Tory Craig had a phenomenal season. Definitely go read Brandon Ewing's article. Brandon wrote a great piece. It's up on Mile High Sports right now, the season in review for Tory Craig. But without further ado, here is Brandon Ewing on Tory Craig. So, Mr. Brandon Ewing, you were the one who came in and did the player recap article for Tory Craig. And I'm just going to ask you a very simple question. What were your takeaways? What were the things that you kind of came away with by the end of it as something that you would realize that you hadn't known before or something that stood out to you from doing the piece? Well, something that really just stood out to me was how – and this kind of – this stood out to me during the season and I couldn't really dive into it till the season's obviously over because we have a lot going on. It was just Torrey Craig's three-point shooting because a lot of people talk about him as a defender – but something that kind of goes overlooked is his his scoring ability. And I'm, I'm not saying that he's a great scorer, but towards the end of the season, he was the Nuggets' best three-point shooter from the All-Star break on. And, I mean, most people would not think that whatsoever when they're looking at the team. You would think it's a guy who takes a lot of threes, like a like a Jamal Murray, like a Malik Beasley, someone who, who chucks up a lot. But Torrey not only shot threes, but he shot them efficiently, mm-hmm. which, which is key in his growth. And I thought that that was a – 
that was just really good to see from him. When I went in to edit your piece, I was very surprised when I saw that stat. That is not something that I had actually picked up on throughout. Like I knew that you know his eye test anecdotally he exactly. shot better, but when you see that he shot like forty three and a half percent for the last forty games of the season, and that's including playoffs, so it's basically post All Star break until the playoffs had ended. That was staggering, and it wasn't like Jamal Murray was hurt. It wasn't like Malik Beasley was hurt. These players were on the floor available and playing their regular minutes, and yet Torrey Craig was still that guy. That was extremely surprising for me, but now my question is, something you talked about, which was him expanding his offensive repertoire. What do you think is next for Torrey Craig as an offensive player? Um, well, I think that, well, when I was originally thinking, I thought his, his driving numbers wouldn't be great, but they weren't horrendous. It's just more catch and shoot, just continuing to develop that three-point shot because he, like we said, he really did get better at it. And that's huge for him just because it makes defenses have to respect him more. He's not just a, a defensive guy who's who's playing offense because he has to because they have to have five guys out there. But now defenses actually have to respect him. And, and you saw that in the San Antonio series and in the Portland series once he was inserted in the starting lineup. You couldn't just key on other guys. You still had to worry about Torrey Craig in the corner or wherever he was because he's going to shoot a three and he can make it. It's a very good point, and it's something that I'm happy you brought up the catch-and-shoot kind of style in particular because as a catch-and-shoot player, Torrey Craig was actually very bad, which I was surprised to see because I would assume that the three-point shots that he was able to hit, the fact that he was able to convert so many, it basically told me that he was hitting the open shots that he was provided. The numbers do not back that up. The numbers say that he was very bad when he was shooting out the catch. Whether it was three-point shooting or two-point shooting, it didn't really matter. Yeah. If he got the ball off the catch and went up for a jump shot, he was like, I believe, the 32nd percentile in the league, which is very bad for mm-hmm. a wing player. Um, that was very surprising to me. But off the dribble, 55% driving at the rim, he shot like 60% at the rim. Um, so there is a lot to his game that is actually further ahead than we really knew, but if he can improve just catching and shooting, just that basic, simplistic exactly. jump shooting mentality. It takes another level. A whole nother level. Because then you're talking about, can he be a consistent 37% three-point shooter? If he is, you start talking about him being much more of a an actual 3 and D helpful player on offense than just a defensive guy that comes in to bother Russell Westbrook. He will transcend that role if he is able to catch and shoot in that way. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think it's something – and he's he's a guy that takes advantage of his opportunity. You saw that in the season when he was given minutes because – he wasn't always given the the normal rotation minutes sometimes. You know, he'd be starting for weeks on end when people were injured, and then he would go back to, you know, not playing very many minutes on a nightly basis. So I think once he, he gets that role, I think that he can thrive in it. And I really think that he can continue to develop as an offensive player just because we saw it when he was getting those consistent minutes towards the, the back half of the, the season and on into the playoffs. So I think that uh, – I think he can definitely grow as an offensive player, and that just takes his game to, like we said, a whole nother level. Yeah, I can't help but agree with you, but my thought now is how much better can Torrey Craig get offensively? Is there a world in which Torrey Craig can be a guy who can score when you need a bucket? Is he a guy who can be a third option offensively if he is in the starting lineup? Does he have that kind of upside? I'm not saying he'll be there next year, but is there a world in your opinion in which he can elevate himself to being that kind of a player, a Wilson Chandler player per se? Yeah, I'd say it's just it's that thirty-seven to thirty-eight percent from three that yeah. he, he has to he has to do, and he's not like the guys, he's not like the Will Barton, just clear the lane out and he'll he'll get you a bucket. I mean, we you got to work a little bit to get Torrey Craig a bucket, and I think that that's 
the part of his offensive game that might be a little peaked out. But I think that, like we said, if he can shoot 38% from three, that is not only big for him but for the Nuggets offense as a whole because it just gives them one more threat that the uh, the other team has to key on. I totally agree. So let's transition into the defensive side of the floor now. How would you grade his defensive performance this season on an A to F scale? A to F scale, probably a... As an I, overall defender, not just, you know, playoff, not just on yeah. ball, off ball, as an overall entire defender. I'm going to give him like a, a B to an upwards of a B plus. I'm not going to give him quite an A just because when I was... When I was looking back at all of his stuff, his his per 36 fouls, <laughs> he fouled about 4.2 this year. So, yes. I mean, he was fouling a lot. And when you could watch with the eye test, you could tell that, I mean, he's guarding the best player on the other team. So, that's it's not easy. But he's also fouling them a fair amount, and they're getting a lot of free throws, which lead to easy buckets and this, easy points. That's something that's kind of really um, – it's been something that I've noticed as well. And I think what a lot – has to do with Torrey Craig's issues as a basketball player. Not that they're glaring issues, but ways that he has not been able to improve so far is just his mental awareness on the court. I feel like he gets lost off ball defensively sometimes. He might just foul too hard because he was mentally not there for a half second. Offensively is the same thing. He's making weird cuts. He's not finishing his cuts. Weird little small fringe things like that that maybe if he can clean up those aspects, his game does go to that next level. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. And I think that his his defense is still the intensity, the energy he brings is huge for them on that end of the floor. Like him, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, they're definitely the guys that, that drive the Nuggets defense, and they were huge in the Nuggets going from 23rd in defensive ring last year to 10th this year. That's a whole 13 spots, and those three guys played a key role. And I think that Torrey just not fouling, playing defense just just like like he knows how I think sometimes he just gets a little over aggressive and you know he's guarding Russell Westbrook he's guarding Damian Lillard he's guarding CJ McCollum he's guarding all these tough guys that sometimes it's just uh, I don't want to give up this easy bucket and then yep they're good scorers and they get an easy foul yeah I, I agree with that and I'm happy we're talking about these fouls because it is tough for a guy who played in Australia for multiple years or the NBL Australia and New exactly. Zealand very for multiple physical years. league and it, let's be honest here UC I mean he went to University of South Carolina upstate this is not the USC that everyone knows this is a very very small school so one thing that I've been trying to hammer to people is that he has not had NBA level coaching or even actual division one college level coaching at any point in his career and then his first season with the Nuggets was, was on a two-way contract to where he was not allowed to come to practice with them because they were trying to limit his 45-day allotment of time. So yeah. his first year, he did not practice with the Nuggets. He was in Australia before that, did not get NBA-level coaching, and was at a very, very small school the year before, or, you know, years before that for college. This offseason should be the offseason in which that mental approach to the game begins to change a little bit and he starts to become the player that we are talking about to where he can understand this game on a mental level better than he currently does. And I wonder if that's going to happen. And I don't know if it will, but do you think it will? Well, I, I don't think it'll hurt because, like like we said, last year was his first full season. Okay, I'm an NBA player. I have a new contract. I'm with the Nuggets. I'm going to be on the roster. I can kind of take a breath of fresh air. I'm not. I'm not trying to earn my spot because yeah. that that's that's the toughest spot on a guy's not just his body but on his head when he's you know playing for a job. He's playing for a spot. But last year he he knew his role. And then as the season progresses, you know he gets a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable. He even has that playoff experience now. So I think he's definitely he feels like an NBA player now. And he 
He's not an NBA NBL player. He's not a G League player. He's an NBA player for the Denver Nuggets, and I think that a whole off another off season with that, I think that that's just going to clear his mind, and I think that uh, he could definitely improve next season. I Before can totally see it. Before we try and project forward, let's kind of encapsulate his season as a whole. How would you grade his entire season as a whole for what he contributed? And you wrote about this, so it's already there. I believe you gave him an A, an A minus. An A? I gave him a solid A. I think it was a solid A. A solid A. I was feeling confident. (laughs) So talk me through why you came to that conclusion as a player overall. Because like we said, as a defender, he wasn't an A. As a pure offensive player, he wasn't an A. But what about his entire game and how it came together and how he impacted the Nuggets allowed you to feel confident elevating your grade to give him that solid A? I felt really confident in something we haven't touched on yet. Because we've touched on the defense. We've touched on the three-point shooting. But just... His overall toughness mm-hmm. in what he brings to this Nuggets team, it, he really is, you're not going to say the heart and soul of the team because the whole team works together, but he's, yes. he's like one of those guys. Like when he got hit in the face in the playoffs, right in the nose, he's bleeding everywhere. He comes back like two quarters later and the crowd's going wild and they're doing Tory, Tory mm-hmm. chants. I mean, you don't get that for every single player. And he's playing with a mask on. He's taking the mask off because it hurts and he's just saying, I don't care. He's just that type of guy who just grinds it out and that's just the epitome of what you want on a team I mean he might not be the most skilled guy out there and that's that's clear but he's one of the toughest SOBs out there and that's you just you can say son of a bitch it's okay you can say <laughs> son of a bitch on here and we're gonna rock and roll because Tory Craig is a tough SOB man and that's that's something that I know Michael Malone said that he loved after that specific game where Tory got hit in the face and it's just I don't know. It really made me elevate his grade just because I, I like guys that, that give it their all on a nightly basis and just, just really are playing 110 miles per hour. Just The, the quote that you were talking about from Michael Malone is one that has been seared into my head because it shows what Michael Malone loves about particular players and it shows how much he appreciates the amount that they give to him. And he said, I would go to war with that kid any day. And Michael Malone is not one. like He's a very... Um, it's the right term. He's a very emphatic speaker. He's very good at providing the correct adjectives to provide the right amount of context to whatever he's talking about. But when Malone says he would go to war with a kid like that, it means that he believes in that toughness in a way that it actually impacts everybody around him. This is not an individual skill. It actually bleeds in and kind of ripples through the rest of the team. And like you were saying, he comes back out onto the floor after you know potentially you know messing up his nose or whatever the uh-huh. nasal contusion was. Yeah. It wasn't just the fans that got excitement and energy out of that. His teammates got a bigger boost of energy out of that. There was a different aura around the organization at that moment in time when they needed to step up and they needed to be tougher and they needed to embody those traits that we have talked about with Tory Craig. And without having a guy like Tory Craig, a guy who is the physical manifestation of toughness and grit like this, it's hard to be able to just manufacture that in a very um, non-organic way. But Tory Craig, it just, you know, it exudes off of him, that toughness. And it has provided the Nuggets with a different level, in my opinion, of that toughness, which is why I think, in turn, their defense improved, the way that they attack teams improved. All of a sudden, they're playing way more up the floor defensively and attacking pick-and-rolls than not being attacked by them. Yeah. And I think Tory Craig, having a player like him who can embody that and be that manifestation is hyper-important, and I feel like that's something that you've kind of touched on too. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. He, he is... He speaks on their culture and their yes. growth as an organization and as a team. He's hard-nosed. Michael Malone's hard-nosed. Everyone on the team's hard-nosed because those guys are – they're a young roster, but, hell, they, they like to win. Yes. And Torrey Craig, it, 
Sorry about the music. I don't know what just happened, but we're going to keep talking. We're going to dance party in here. But no, uh, just like I said, Torrey Craig really is the heart of what this Nuggets team is, and that's just a team that you know doesn't want to say no. 90 seconds. Give me what you think Torrey Craig will improve on next year and what you think his stats will be. Ooh, I think Torrey Craig will improve on his three-point shooting only because it was poor before the All-Star break, and then it got much, much better. So, and then I think I wrote in my post, if he if he averages like eight points a game next year, that's huge for him. And I know that's a bit of a jump because he was a, a... Was he five and four or something like I think it was like just that? a little over four. Yeah. It really, it wasn't much. But So he's making, he's almost doubling his points per game total, which is tough. But then again... You took about one more three-pointer. One more three-pointer a game, and that's exactly what he did post-All-Star break. So if he can just tie that together for a whole season, and obviously you're going to go through tough stretches because that's Mm -hmm. just sports and that's how it works. But if he can go through a tough stretch, say 20% of the season and the other 80% is good instead of going 50-50, that's the difference between the four points per game average or the eight points per game average. I think that's something he can definitely do, and that's something that you know it's easy to work on for him. And he's obviously shown improvement the first two seasons of the league, so why not in the third one? Last question. Does he start at small forward to start next season? Probably not. I agree, that, I agree a, with that's you. That's a tough it's question. a question that's important to ask, I think, because there's a lot of different answers to it. But I agree with you. I don't think he starts at small forward there's to start a, next there's year. There's a ton of answers you can go with it because I think Will Barton is the logical answer. Yes. Tory Craig is also an answer. And also, I have no idea what Michael Porter Jr. is yeah. going to do in two weeks when I'm in Las Vegas. Yep. So I have no idea. So there's about three guys. Also, I don't know about Wancho Hernan Gomez. He can play it. He can do whatever yeah, he wants. It's a good point. It's a good point. Wancho was very good to start this season. Um, but Mr. Brandon Ewing will be in Las Vegas for Summer League. I will be in Las Vegas for Summer League. We're going to get this going. We're going to have tons of content. But thank you. Uh, tell everybody where to find you. Apparently not on Twitter right now. No, you, can, you guys cannot <laughs> find me on Twitter because um, I got my Twitter account suspended <laughs> because I was... Oh, anyone anyone who follows me, I post a lot of videos, and then I post FIFA videos this one time, and then I next thing I know, I'm reported for some reason. This never happens to me, and I don't have a Twitter for two. You weeks. were like the nicest person on earth, and I don't know how you got your Twitter. That's suspension. what I'm saying. It's completely like, unfair. I'm a clear, like unadulterated, and unequivocal asshole, and I don't have this happen to me. So the it's, fact that you got your account suspended is insane. It's mind blowing. Come on, Jack. Because I see people post videos like I am all the time, and then I'm the one that got suspended. <laughs> it drives me nuts. So. I mean, if you actually want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at B underscore skip 1717 because I, I made a bit of a burner. Don't tell Twitter because I don't know the price to spend it to. And then, <laughs> and then I have no idea how you guys are going to find me. You didn't me. do a good job by just adding another 17 on the end of the exact same Twitter handle. Well, so that it's kind of easy to the worst, tell. <laughs> the worst part is, is I when I went to school at, at UNC up in northern Colorado, this was the account I made for my sports journalism class. So if you guys scroll back, you really don't have to scroll that far because I just started <laughs> using again. You can figure out all about what UNC baseball was doing two years ago and you could do a inning by inning play by play. It's 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 <laughs> gripping stuff and i would definitely check it out if you uh you do not want to miss that on b underscore skip 1717 <laughs> and uh also i have posted a lot of stuff tonight from the draft but also tj talked about that earlier so you go back on my page and you can follow everyone's stuff and learn more about what the nuggets did awesome thank you as always man it's always good talking to you thank you for having me so this has been the denver nuggets daily podcast as always thank you for listening make sure to go subscribe on all whatever podcast listening platform that you're using whether it's apple Podcasts, google play iHeartRadio, spotify player fm there's so many out there nowadays but 
Um, I believe the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast is on all of them. So please subscribe, leave a review, leave a five-star rating. You can reach out to me on my Twitter at TJ MBA. You, my email is in there, or you can DM me if you have any uh, just feedback, complaints. I really don't care. Whatever it is, you are more than welcome to reach out for me. But this has been the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Thank you to the Regulators Production Group for the beats on the intro and outro of the podcast. Thank you to Terrapin Care Station for being the benefactor of this show. And this is the Denver Nuggets Elite Podcast piled powered by Mile High Sports. We will be back shortly, but until then, we'll talk to you soon.